interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast. This team just continues to make it interesting, and I know the people listening know exactly what team I'm talking about, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, right in the thick of the playoff race, Jackson, but it hasn't been easy. No, it's been a very interesting season. I think many fans are probably feeling a level of frustration watching this team, perhaps compared to others. Um, yeah, lots to chew on, and we're going to get into some of that today. Uh, but as the season's gone on, Matt, yes, we, we've learned a lot about this team, and I think these next couple months are going to be very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, and I mean, we're a couple of weeks out now from the trade deadline, so we're going to touch on some of the moves that Toronto did make and maybe more importantly didn't make. Um, and then look at the the outlook for the last, I think, seven weeks, which is kind of crazy. I feel like we were just talking about the, we were just doing the podcast with the preview. So, um, yeah, let's get to it. All right, so I guess, I guess we'll start with the, the first kind of, I'll call it a big trade Toronto made on July 21st, uh, acquiring Genesis Cabrera from the St. Louis Cardinals, who they we're quite uh, tight partners with over this deadline. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of get a peek behind the curtain. You can see the way that the uh, the trades that happen after this, perhaps we're all kind of connected through a few conversations and stuff. And um, yeah, the first one, Toronto gets Genesis Cabrera, a guy who, um, you know, was having a really uh, underwhelming season for the Cardinals throughout the first half, uh, struggled with command, had some bad luck too. St. Louis in general has just had a really disappointing season. And Cabrera, uh, amongst the other players that we'll get to shortly, uh, were a big part of that. You know, it kind of came out of left field just because it was a little before the deadline, right? It was, uh, what, 12 days or so beforehand on the 21st of July. Um, So they kind of got out front of the reliever mark a little bit, picked up a guy who wasn't really on anyone's radar. uh, But Cabrera, a guy who throws, you know, up to 95 from the left side, it's very enticing. Uh, His issue was he just couldn't find the plate. And so as we've seen, coming over to Toronto um, in 11 innings, he's, he's been pretty good, Matt. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny. We were talking about it. I think in our last Blue Jays podcast, what needed and did not necessarily need to be addressed. And we mentioned the bullpen didn't necessarily need to be addressed, but obviously it was a focus this deadline. And again, you talk about Cabrera. He was, uh, you know, there's, there was talk about him asking for a trade, a change of scene, or you hear that all the time in sports and how that can positively impact somebody. And I think you're seeing that here. You know, he's not going to be asked to throw the eighth or ninth inning, but you can never have too many arms down that bullpen. You hear that all the time in baseball. And I think this was a very good pickup. Anytime you get a lefty, you know, with the kind of stuff that he has, you know, Tim Mays is obviously having a huge year, but he was really the only lefty in the, the bullpen. They were relying on guys like Trevor Richards and Eric Swanson to get lefties out a lot of the time. So it's nice to have two down there, especially one that you can get early in the game. And that pushes Mesa later in the game, which only, you know, lengthens that bullpen and shortens that rotation if need be. Yeah, it gives uh, gives manager John Schneider a lot of strategic opportunities, especially come the postseason, right? If if Cabrera is healthy uh, and most of their other options in the bullpen are healthy, what it does, like you said, it doesn't force, let's say they're playing Houston and you've got Jordan Alvarez coming up. It doesn't force, um, although Alvarez has interesting splits, just using his as an example, isn't for Schneider to have to go to Mesa maybe in the sixth or seventh inning with a couple runners on. Now, that's a big spot, though, for Cabrera. But nonetheless, it just gives him more options uh, with a couple more lefties in there. Cabrera, as we've seen, has primarily been utilized with the Jays in the fifth or sixth inning. 
seventh inning kind of would be the most sort of leverage he would get unless they're behind in the game, of course. I think this is a good role for him. And we have seen the Jays over the last few years, you know, take chances on lefties. And in some cases it's worked like Robbie Ray. These are starters, of course, but still uh, Meza has really kind of found a renaissance in his career as well with the Jays and Kikuchi this year as well has also been a really nice story. Stephen Matz as well in 2021. So, you know, they, they, the Jays do like finding these lefties. I don't, I don't like to call it off the scrap heap. It's kind of what this was. Look, if he keeps pitching the way he is, uh, he'll certainly make John Schneider's job a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I sent out a tweet, you know, not, not long ago about the depth of this bullpen. Now and we're going to get to obviously Jordan Hicks in a minute. Um, but it had a guy like Jay Jackson as the eighth or ninth guy. And he's, you know, that's on the outside looking in and Jay Jackson, you know, not a household name coming into the year, but you know, everyone's kind of seen what he's done. He's been very effective. So if that's your eighth or ninth guy out of the bullpen, you know, maybe fault between AAA and the big leagues or left off a postseason roster, that's a pretty deep bullpen, which is something, you know, the Jay, Jays fans have kind of moaned and groaned about in the past, you know, the, the depth of the bullpen and guys that can come in with electric stuff like, like Cabrera has. So, um, yeah, I think it was a good pickup. He's not going to come out and you know blow the doors off. It's he's not going to single handedly you know win you games. But these are the types of pieces that you need. You look at the Rays. You look at different teams that win. These are the types of guys that they roll out in their bullpen. Absolutely, and you know you talk about you know getting some more options, right? Uh, I think another option would be who they acquired on July thirtieth as well, also from St. Louis. Here, um, they picked up possibly the best reliever on the market in Jordan Hicks. And a guy who can go multiple innings, has closed games before, has pitched in some big games, at this point does have some experience now. Uh, This is also a pure rental, Jordan Hicks. Um, So they traded two pitchers, Adam Kloffenstein and Sam Robersey, I think it is pronounced his last name. Um, Both, you know, pretty good prospects, neither blue chip necessarily, uh, but certainly I would say a fair return for one of the best relievers on the market. Um, this of course trade happens amidst Jordan Romano going to the injured list. So the Jays needed a closer. They needed someone to go to that ninth inning. This is a very seamless fit, uh, at least from the outset, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this was happening regardless of that Romano situation. I think it was obviously convenient timing. Uh, but again, how many times have fans and, and we've sat here and said, there's not enough high high velocity, high leverage guys in the back of that bullpen. You know, you're looking at Romano can obviously run it up, but this is exactly what they got. I mean, we saw Hicks at what, 104, 105? Was it earlier in this year, last year? So, uh, but with that has come, you know, some command and control issues. And that's kind of what you have to live with. If you haven't watched Hicks over the course of his career, um, that's kind of been the way it's been. But, you know, you live with it because if you roll him out there and he's on, you know, he's borderline unhittable. Yeah, you 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 read online from some St. Louis fans and writers alike. You'll love Hicks, but there'll be nights where you'll hate him, you know, because it's just that's just uh, the nature of having a guy who can throw 102, 103 consistently. You're going to have those nights where he just can't find the plate. Uh, you know, you're going to have those nights where there's moments where he loses command. That's look, yeah, that's just how it is with him. That's the Jordan Hicks experience. And I think, you know, by and large, though, over time, it does equal positive results way more often than not. Uh, and to Hicks's credit, he has improved on those things as his career has gone on. And like you said, Matt, like having now 
two options there for, again, we just talked about options with the lefties. Well, now you have options with two hard throwing righties as well. When you need a big strikeout again, let's talk about it. You know, a late game situation in the playoffs. Now they got to get to the playoffs first and that's a different conversation to have, but when they are, if they are in a big spot against a team with, you know, the heart of the order coming up, a couple guys on eighth inning, seventh inning, whatever it is. Well, now you have a couple ways that you can get strikeouts or put a guys into have higher chances of getting strikeouts without having to sacrifice your closer in the seventh or eighth inning, right? Um, so I, I think this is a great move. I think this is a slam dunk by the Jays front office. Staying on this and beating at other teams, by all accounts, there were a lot of other teams sniffing around Jordan Hicks, and rightfully so. Like I said, he was probably the top reliever on the market, especially with Josh Hader not moving. And, you know, he hasn't had great results in his first five and two thirds innings since, since the trade. That's that's whatever. It's, you know, relievers can be volatile and he'll settle in just fine. I'm not worried about that. They did pay, like I said, a, I don't know if I call it a super steep price, uh, but it is a rental reliever. And they did give up two top 20 prospects per MLB.com, right? Two guys who you could see in a rotation in a few years, potentially, in Sam Robersey. Adam Clough and seen two guys who've been around for a while, Matt. And I think if you've if you've read a lot of Jay's prospect reports and stuff like that, you know these two guys pretty well at this point. The organization has poured a lot of time and resources into them. So, you know, I, I think this time of year is always difficult for front offices that way, you know, trading away two guys who you've spent a lot of time working on. But at the same time, you get a guy who can throw 102. So, you know, that's the give and take of the trade deadline. Yeah. So, you know what? prospects are, are just that they're either guys you're going to develop or the you know they're they're assets to trade at the deadline i mean we talked we've talked about this before on previous podcasts um there's no guarantee either of those guys I mean, the big leagues they both could have very good big league careers like you said it's just kind of the you know the the lay of the land and, and what you have to sacrifice to get a guy like jordan hicks now i have no doubt that jordan romano is this team's closer um i think that's been reinforced over the last couple of weeks especially so obviously coming back from injury uh, but to have, you know, Swanson, Hicks, Romano on in the back of that bullpen, Mesa is another lefty, you know, in, in, in later innings, that's about as deep as it gets, you know, in the big league. So they got to feel real good about the way, especially with, you know, the rotation, the way it is, they got to feel real good about getting that ball to the bullpen and, and their ability to get it done, which we know in the, the postseason, you realize when, when teams have bad bullpens, you know, that's kind of what they say. You don't realize a, realize a bullpen until it's bad. So um, this one's definitely set up and it's very deep and arguably one of the deepest bullpens in the American league. Yeah. And also I, I gotta say, Matt, arguably one of the deepest bullpens the Jays have ever put together. Um, certainly in this sort of new era of contention, I can't recall uh, a bullpen that just had as many um, trustable options, trustworthy rather <laughs> options. Easy for me to say, whether it be guys like Trevor Richards, you know, who now move more maybe into middle relief. Richards has had an awesome year. Right. That changeup has been working well for him. What does it look like for Chad Green when he comes up? I know he had a very unfortunate uh, concussion uh, recently, but it does sound like he, uh, that won't derail his his trip back to the bigs for too long. It is very unfortunate, though. Nonetheless, he should be fine. So he'll also join the pen. Where does he fit in? Right. I guess we'll see kind of how he looks, obviously, once he gets up here. But. Yeah, you you hit it, Matt. Like this, you don't know you have a bad bullpen until it hits you square in the face. Uh, usually in the inopportune time. So why not load it up? And you know, you even look at uh, Nate Pearson right now being the kind of the guy who goes between AAA and and the Jays, right? As sort of that taxi squad kind of guy. Um, yeah, that's Pearson's a 
probably a great guy to have is depth, right? A guy who can go multiple innings and throw a hundred. Yes. He's had his command issues, but yeah, fantastic move by the front office here. And, and, uh, really making sure that their pitching staff, we're going to get to the lineup shortly, their pitching staff, it doesn't drop the ball the way that it points this year. The lineup certainly has. Yeah. And you, you know, it's funny as you mentioned Chad green, not to go off topic here, but Chad green and Hunjin Ryu. Yeah. I mean, those are two, those are essentially two deadline pickups. Hopefully green come back. Uh, if you haven't been watching the Yankees the last couple of years, the last few years, Chad Green's a pretty good reliever. That's a back end of the bullpen guy too. So now you got four or five back end quality, quality relievers. Um, that's going to be tough to navigate for opposing managers. And then Hunjin Ryu's come back and he's looked, he's looked good. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. The guy that already was a bit of a, you know, a soft tosser. And then he has Tommy John he's later in his career, but yeah, he's come back and he's looked strong through his last couple of outings. So this the, the the pitching staff certainly looks good heading into the final stretch of the year. Ryu has looked so good that it's allowed them to send Manoa to AAA. I think uh, that speaks to kind of how far Ryu has developed. It also speaks to guys like Yusei Kikuchi really pitching better as well. Where and the way Manoa has sort of pitched his way out of that conversation, but nonetheless, like now you have Manoa as starter depth as well. It's um, an interesting turn of events for sure. And as you said, so two trade deadline pickups essentially. Um, and that also doesn't include, you know, calling up David Schneider, who's given them a little energy, especially over the weekend in Boston. He's cooled off a little bit this week and we'll see kind of what he has in store over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, a lot of that development from within is something that um, the front office talked about kind of all season. Uh, they talked a little bit about this deadline as well. And that's, I think going to be a pretty big theme here as we move along. Yeah, and and I have something on you, say Kikuchi. I have a question for you, but we'll we'll save it for a little bit because I want to get to more of these trades. But don't let me forget. Okay, I have a conversation that'd be had about you, say Kikuchi. All right. And now a word from the baseball zone. The baseball zone's fall schedule is coming out this month, and programs for all ages and skill levels, from clinics to high performance programs, are available. Their highly qualified Baseball Zone coaches will ensure all players get the best and most complete instruction. Check out their new and improved website at thebaseballzone.ca or give them a visit at 1081 Brevik Place, Mississauga, Ontario, near the 401 and Dixie Road exit. Now, back to the Jays. I want to jump back a little bit here, though, because on July 26th, Toronto traded Trent Thornton to the Seattle Mariners (laughs) for Mason McCoy. Um, it's kind of funny now that the Mariners are hot on the heels of the Blue Jays. But Trent Thornton did do the Jays a favor yesterday. Um, we're recording this on August 14th, August 13th. Gave up a two-run home run to the Baltimore Orioles. I think it was Cedric Mullins. So that that put the, the Mariners a game and a half back. So Trent Thornton still contributing for the Blue Jays. Yes, and we'll always have uh, 2019 as well. Uh, yeah, maybe Trent's like a secret agent going over there to mess things up. Yeah, I mean, he uh, Thorne's an interesting case. He was kind of that long relief AAA depth option for a few years on this team, maybe a year or two too long, frankly. Um, but, you know, he kind of just kept sticking around and doing his thing. It's good to see him talk about change of scenery earlier with Cabrera. I think the same thing was probably needed for Thornton. Whether or not that'll pay off, we'll see. You know, a lot of it's interesting. A, a lot of former Jays go over to Seattle uh the bullpen now you've got Baraki over there Ken Giles was there for a minute too I I think that in in that case it's more of just obviously clearing off a a spot in the roster and stuff like that but 
you know, one thing you notice with this team is they do a good job of taking care of their guys, right? Making sure that, you know, they're fair to these people. Trent Thornton deserved to get another opportunity. And I think you got to appreciate a front office that will do that. Part of that was just the roster crunch, but sending him to a team where uh, he's going to be in a good setup. They didn't send him to Oakland. No disrespect to Oakland, <laughs> you know, but they didn't send him there. They sent him to a team where he's going to have a chance to compete. Um, so it's, it's a, I thought, a you know, a, a nice gesture by the Jays, obviously, to do that. And you're right. You know, he's kind of, he paid them back a little bit uh, yesterday. Um, yeah, obviously a minor move. And they got uh, Mason McCoy coming back, a 28-year-old, uh, likely just minor league depth. Uh, so a small move there. But certainly uh, in the case of Trent Thornton, we'll never forget 2019, as I said, where he threw 154 innings, I think, in his first season in the bigs. And uh, ate a lot of innings for a very poor Jays club back then. A, a very poor and a very young Jays club. You know, there's something to be said about guys that can do something like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, don't get the the praise necessarily necessarily that they deserve when it's you know you're playing on a bad baseball team. But that was a trend that was right in the heart of the transition for the Blue Jays. So yeah. little tip of the cap to Trent Thornton there before we move on. Uh, so the last trade, the fourth, I guess the fourth and final trade that they made, they you know the Jays acquired Paul DeYoung from the St. Louis Cardinals again. I get that connection yet again for Matt Svanson, another minor league arm. Yeah, and DeYoung, obviously this was on the heels of Bichette getting hurt literally the night before. Do you imagine if that injury was a couple of days later? Now, maybe they were looking to acquire DeYoung or you heard Tim Anderson's name out there a bunch too, but you wonder kind of how much this that kind of accelerated these talks. Uh, to acquire DeYoung. Yeah. And a guy who, you know, is what, just a couple years removed from a 30 home run season. Um, yeah, he did it in 2019. Um, I guess that's four years ago now. <laughs> feeling old. Uh, but even in 20, 2021, he hit 19, you know, and his bat has really kind of regressed as he's gone on in his big league career. I suppose that's a combination of just, you know, it being really difficult to hit and also uh, teams likely figuring him out over time too. But, you know, he's a great glove at shortstop. These guys been around for a while. Um, so you can trust him. You can, again, that what they've been doing with Bichette on the IL is just plugging DeYoung into the nine hole, not caring too much about how he hits and focusing more on his glove, which has been largely pretty good so far. Uh, and then once Bichette comes back, Matt, you'd imagine that DeYoung takes the Espinal role on this team, which is a bench infielder who can hit left-handed pitching. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing. And this kind of reminds me of the way he's performing, obviously not hitting a ton. He does, he's probably not going to hit a ton. But remember, Whit Merrifield didn't hit a ton when he got here last year after the deadline. So yeah. um, don't, you know, Blue Jays fans that maybe haven't seen him, the young play very much, you know, I wouldn't be judging him on the first, you know, handful of games. Just remember that Merrifield situation. Now look at Merrifield, four hit wet, improved from two hit wet, and he's hitting leadoff. So, that's kind of what that reminds me. I'm not saying the young gonna you know turn around like Merrifield has this year, but you know, like you said, a good glove. And then it is, you know, Bichette comes back. It Kiermaier's on the IL. He's gonna come back shortly. There's gonna be a bit of a roster crunch for you know in that starting lineup. I think you have to think Merrifield's probably gonna pencil in the second every day. Um, Varsho had a good week, good game yesterday against the Cubs. So uh, Kiermaier's gonna go back to center. So there's gonna be a bit of a roster roster crunch, I think, and I think. You're right. The Young's probably taking that Espinal spot uh, because what Merrifield's clearly not coming out of the lineup. And, and he said previously that he's most comfortable at second base. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Young here. Yeah. And by extension, Espinal. And 
Biggio kind of factors in there too, although him being a left-handed hitter and him also heating up a little bit as of late and the fact that he can play corners and stuff, it it, it makes that interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's hard to see Espinal when everyone's healthy, Espinal remaining on this roster, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting time. And and again, you're at the point of the season where it's just development. You don't care about development at this point in the big league roster, right? You don't care about any of that. You don't care about hurt feelings. You get to win ball games, especially where they are in the standings. They're in the thick of a wild card race. As we just talked about that Seattle Orioles series was huge this weekend. And these games are only going to get bigger. So if DeYoung has to sit on the bench and hardly play and only be a a glove on a day where Bichette needs an off day or come in to pinch hit for Varsho against a lefty or Kiermaier or whatever it is, you know, that's it. Tough. That's the role. You know what I, I mean? Think be, I think it'll be interesting too, to see, you know, Bichette coming off a knee injury playing on turf. Yeah, right. Does he get a few more, you know, he's a guy that doesn't come out of the lineup very yeah. often. I mean, if he gets an off day, people think something's wrong. Yeah. Um, so is the younger guy that gives him a few more breaks throughout the last seven weeks to keep him healthy it gives you that option. Again, we talked about depth in the bullpen. Now we're talking about depth on the position player side. So that's, you know, that's definitely something that probably went, went into this move. And again, you give up another minor league arm, which they love to give up this deadline, but who knows what it's going to turn into. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Swanson is, uh, he was doing well, uh, the Vancouver bullpen, high a pretty much the definition of a lottery ticket. You know, we'll see. I think this, this trade was a good byproduct of those other two trades that we were talking about the Cabrera and the Hicks deal. Because St. Louis already knew the Jays system, right? I think that's probably why this deal was able to happen so early. If you recall, it was pretty early in the day on deadline day, August 1st, uh, because this likely was already in motion. Again, we had heard Tim Anderson's name out there. Anderson's a similar kind of player to DeYoung. I would say uh, the recent events with Tim Anderson (laughs) would certainly leave a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Uh, But prior to him getting knocked out by Jose Ramirez, I think that those were kind of the options they were looking at anyways. And I think the Bichette injury certainly made it just more of a necessity. You're right, though. And I think there's days where Bichette can DH more now, probably. And then De Jong plays at shortstop kind of thing. Um, I think we'll see a good amount of that when Bichette comes back. And I think that's how it should be. Uh, because you're right, with a knee injury, especially with an injury where it sounds like it's more when he stops moving. Like when he plants his foot is the problem. which I mean, who knows? Like, is that is he going to need surgery in the offseason? Obviously, he'll be able to play on it, but how effectively? So you're right. This just gives them a very capable shortstop they can plug in if needed. Um, so you got to like the move from that perspective. Maybe the reason that this deal isn't as uh, lauded is in part because DeYoung doesn't provide much punch offensively, although he could, like you said, but also just because of the lack of other bats that they acquire this deadline right if we get into that now i mean there were a lot of there were a lot of names that were talked about right teoscar hernandez tyler o'neill lots of other names right tommy fam who the jays didn't get and in some cases it's just because like in teoscar hernandez's case and tyler o'neill they just didn't get moved because their teams wanted to hold on to them which i can get in both cases o'neill has another year next year of control and seattle is all of a sudden going on a run I, I want to get back. I want to get back to Tim Anderson here for a second because sure. when Bichette hobbled off the field, who are they playing? The Orioles when that happened? I think so. I, I before that happened, I saw so many people just when the name Tim Anderson came up for a potential for the Blue Jays, 
no, no, everyone, I, so many people were against it. As soon as Bichette hobbled off yeah, that field, yeah. I've never seen so many Tim Anderson fans on Twitter that were Blue Jays supporters. <laughs> I could not believe it. It was like Tim Anderson went from don't trade this guy for a bucket of baseballs to this guy's going to save the season. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I, I think the reason that maybe because Tim Anderson would have more shine than Paul DeYoung, it's obviously a very subjective term, in the sense that like Anderson is, maybe you have more belief that the bat could come back again than DeYoung. I, to me, and it, and it was from the all-star break. I mean, yeah. he, he was hitting better at that time compared yeah. to, I mean, it was only a couple weeks sample size, but he was yeah. hitting better, uh, more towards his career career averages so i get it it was just it's just fans are funny and social media is a funny place because it seemed like tim anderson's name was trending almost on twitter yeah yeah and and you're right and that the way that that injury really made everyone hold their breath and and i saw also in addition to the anderson hype people just saying oh no like the season's over this is it (laughs) if he's out for the season it's over pack it in you know, and that's just not how baseball is. You know, stranger oh. things have happened. Atlanta, God, Atlanta won the World Series without Acuna. You know what I mean? Like, you can do it. I'm not saying that they would have or would not have success without Bichette. But as you said, I mean, it's just quickly how quickly, uh, or it's funny how quickly fans' opinions can rapidly change. Yeah, and that's why front offices don't listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why they tune it out. <laughs> you know, getting back to the bats, so like you mentioned, a bunch of guys that you know, I know fans were definitely frustrated. There's no doubt about it about the lack of additions on offense. You know, we have here in our, in our notes, you know, obviously Teoscar Hernandez, you mentioned Tyler O'Neill, Tommy Pham, Mark Connor, TJ or, or CJ Crone, Randall Grichik, another former Blue Jay, Yammer Condelario. I, I just, I don't, nothing in the, that list intrigues me that much to be honest i don't think i don't think the names were there to make a big splash let yeah. alone have them pencil in like you know a guy like candelaria like where was he gonna play he's not gonna play a third yeah i never play chapman he's not gonna play first you got belt who's play who's you know i don't i don't know there's just tay oscar would have been a nice story i guess o'neill's not been great this year gritchick and crone I guess like, is it, but is it moving the needle? I, I just yeah. don't, I, I saw people complaining that there was no impact, but I, I don't think there was one on the market, to be honest. I think there's some nice fringe pieces, uh, but that's not what this team was looking for on offense. I think you're right. I, I just, it just felt like it was a crappy market this year for trades for buyers, right? It was certainly a seller's market. Uh, I think that's a byproduct of the, expanded wildcard format the fact that person i'm of the opinion that the deadline now is because of this expanded format is actually too early in the sense that like there's teams who are still figuring out if they're competing or not look at the cubs right look at uh seattle those are two great examples look at the angels giving up everything they did for giolito and for crone and gritchick and man they really fell apart right after that right don't even get me started on the angels i I feel very strongly in my opinions of that that's yeah Anyways, we'll stick to the Jays here, but uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, two months out from the end of the season is where the deadline needs to be, but you're right. The, the expanded playoff format definitely opens it up for a lot more teams and it shrinks the number of sellers, obviously, when you do that. So, you know, yeah. the big deals may not be necessarily be there. Even the pitching deals yeah. like Verlander and Scherzer, like, I don't know if it's just me and my perception, but 
they're, they're both older. They're both, I don't know. It just wasn't, it was, yeah. just wasn't grabbing my attention like in years past. Totally. And they're both dealing with injuries. Like they're well past their primes. I know they're, you know, Verlander's pitching well as of late, but you'd expect that from a Hall of Famer. You know, I, I think too, like even Flaherty moving to the Orioles. Okay. You know, he wasn't having a good year anyways. You know, it, there's been a lot of that going on where guys moving and it's like, okay, I mean, they're not even playing that great. So, I mean, in the case of Paul DeYoung and Cabrera as an example here too, just change of scenery stuff. Right. Yeah. I think the, the O'Neill and the Teoscar ones where I think a lot of fans wanted them more for like, you're right. Romantic sort of reasons like Teoscar coming back, you know, that would have been interesting. And Tyler O'Neill, the Canadian who, um, you know, would have another year of control. So he, does he replace Kiermaier? You know, Varsho moved to center next year and O'Neill is your starting left fielder next year. Again, we're getting a little crazy with that stuff, but those kinds of things, I, I guess, were were sort of maybe disappointments for the fans that they didn't get those those nice stories, but that's not what it's about. And you're right. Are you just rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic with those moves? Like, because fam, I mean, maybe fam DHs. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I'm borrowing that from from smarter people. Um, you know, if it's does fam move the needle, maybe as a DH, maybe pinch hitting late. But like a lot of that is just one off luck based. And who's to say David Schneider doesn't have that kind of impact down the stretch, right? Like I bet you a lot of what they were doing in the front office was comparing, okay, here's what Mark Canyon's projected rest of season is. Here's what Randall Gritchick's projected rest of season is versus David Schneider versus Spencer Horwitz versus Addison Barger. And what's the difference between us having to give up a top 10 prospect for Tay Oscar or Tyler O'Neill? I don't know if that was the asking price. I'm just saying here versus just promoting David Schneider or Horwitz or Barger or a couple of them. You know what I mean? And I, I just, I get the sense that that was basically what it came down to. And you're right. There just weren't those kinds of impact bats that we've seen on the market in years past. I mean, here's the deal. I think this is what people forget too. It's like, you got to go out and play. Like you yeah. got to go out and just play better. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you want to make play, play better. Like you can't tell me this lineup isn't good enough to, to get it done. Uh, you get into the playoffs, you saw what the Phillies did, you know, in a wild card seed there last year, you got to play better at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. You can go get it, whoever you want, but if you don't perform on the field, I know that sounds simple, but I think that's what gets lost in this. It gets kind of like that video game mindset where it's like, I just want to get all these good players, you know, look at the Mets. What a disaster that turned into. And they just spent, spent, spent. You know, the Padres, the Padres are, to me are the most puzzling team in baseball. I don't understand how that happened this year, but it does because it's baseball. You have to go out on the field and perform. And, and this lineup and this pitching, especially with these additions, is good enough to beat anyone in a series. And that's that's what you want. And then now the goal is to get in and, and prove that. Yeah. And, and I think you're right on two points on that. Primarily, like you said, you know, acquiring Tommy Pham isn't going to make George Springer hit better. Right. It's not going to make Vladdy have a better approach at the plate. Right. It's not going to make them all of a sudden magically start hitting a ton with runners in scoring position. Maybe he can contribute to a couple of those hits. But realistically, you're right. Like, is is CJ Crone going to move the needle again? Maybe marginally, but you're right. It's all paper stuff. You know, on the field, they just simply need more from there, the guys who were already here. Right. And I think that's become a month. They also need Bichette to get healthy because Bo Bichette is such a huge part of this lineup. Um, and and I think that you hit the nail on the head there with that. Kirk needs to be better. There's just guys who need to play better, who play up to what they are capable of. And if that's the case with their pitching, with their defense, with their bullpen, 
they'll be a very successful team. I should also say, though, um, you talk about just getting in. Boy, the American League, it's not like there's a ton of great teams in the American League, right? This is a time where the Yankees are down. The Red Sox are probably not. I mean, they might make the, they might make the playoffs, but it's we'll see. But I wouldn't be scared of Boston if I was the Jays, to put it that way, despite the Jays not playing well against them. Uh, this season, they did just sweep them at Fenway, but you know, I, I Houston, I guess, is still a really good team. Are they healthy? Will they, you know, if they get healthy, they could be a pretty good team. Baltimore, yes, but Baltimore hasn't done it yet, right? And how confident are you in Baltimore's pitching staff in the postseason? Their bullpen looks good. Their rotation, eh, you know, like I, I would have questions about a lot. Of, Texas is pretty good, right? Texas is good if they're healthy, right? And if they hit the ground running at the right time, so. You know, there is a situation where, look, maybe you don't need to spend a ton of prospect capital to pick up FAM or Kenya or whoever it is when you can just promote guys from within, hope for, you know, some improvements over the course of the next two months and look around and say, man, who are we really scared of here in the American League? Well, I think that's a great point. And, and there's no one on this market that I saw, pitcher or hitter. Especially, you know, you, you hear the haters weren't going anywhere. Snell wasn't going anywhere. That was going to come in and just turn someone's season around. It was yeah. going to be a guy that comes in and helps. Would Fam help this team hitting against lefties? Of course, you know. But what's the asking price? I think the expectation from fans was far too high on some of these guys. I um, mean, and what the Jays would have been able to do. There was no big time name out there that I saw that was going to come in and really make a huge difference. So. At that point, and then you you get into it. I agree with you about the Orioles. I I thought they were somebody that should have went out and got and had the prospect capital to get one of you know Scherzer or a Verlander to bolster that rotation, um, and they didn't do it. I, I think they're playing ahead of their window, um, and in a playoff series, am I? They're a great team. Don't get me wrong, but are you really are you scared of that team right now as it stands? No, I mean the the lineup is to a degree, but. You know, if you have great, great pitching in the playoffs, you know, can often beat great hitting as we've seen throughout time. <laughs> the back end of the bull, again, if they have a lead late, sure. You know, yeah. Cano and Bautista is pretty good, but you got to get there first. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, a, yeah, I just, it's a, they're a great team. They're going to make playoffs. They're going to win the division, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, the Rays have fallen off. I think, you know, they're not the team that they started out as. No. Um, you know, yeah, again, Houston's always going to be there. Texas, obviously, is going to be good. But again, are you are, as a Jays fan, this offense can get it going and to what they're capable. Are you really, really worried about facing Max Scherzer? No, not really. Like it's it's not going to be easy, but it's no. not. I don't think it's not Max. I don't think it's Max Scherzer. That it's not prime Max Scherzer. Think of exactly. So, yeah. like I said, this lineup, this pitching staff is more than good enough if they get in. They can win a series against any of these teams. I have I have no doubt in saying that, and I think most teams can that get in because you get in for a reason. Um, but the the flip side of that is the ideal position to get in would probably be that third wild card spot. Yeah, so you can play Minnesota or whoever yeah. wins the central. Yeah, and I mean you're you're never you, you don't intentionally try to do something like that, but finishing third in this wild card is not a bad thing. I was uh, I was told by a very smart person one time a good line here. I was talking to you just. You like the the deck chairs line. You pick your poison. You might not like how it tastes, Matt. Now, the thing with that, of course, is you would much rather. It was like, you know, when the Leafs, the Leafs, in, you know, we, we go to hockey for a second. The Leafs didn't have to play Boston. They had to play Florida. 
but Florida did end up going to the cup final anyways. Now, uh, that's obviously a little different in a seven game series, all that hockey is very different sport. The point is you just never know. Right. Um, you know, you remember last year, I mean, the Padres beat the Dodgers, right. All of a sudden the Phillies are sitting there thinking, Oh my God, right? the Dodgers are out of it. You know what I mean? The Phillies look at themselves and think, man, we're going on a run here. We got a real shot and they did. And they got all the way to the world series. Um, you just never know how things are going to break. So, I think these Atkins quotes, I want to get to some of these here because these do kind of shine light on a little bit of what we were talking about. There's a few that stand out. I'll just, I'll just read a couple here. First one was quote, some of the players rumored to be coming our way or even available didn't seem to be as available to us. Most of the deals available to us were smaller in nature. And then this is kind of building on that. He said, quote, the guys that would be quote unquote, bigger bats weren't as readily available as many assumed or implied end quote. So that kind of adds up to what we were saying, just about how there weren't a lot of great options on the market. But I did hear kind of a tinge of frustration, maybe, or disappointment on Atkins' perspective. Specifically, um, it didn't seem to be as available to us, was an interesting way of saying that a lot of guys who they thought were going to be on the market just simply weren't. Well, not only that, but I don't, you know, when I hear that quote right now, I think of no trade clauses. Sure. Yeah. Potentially. You know, you look at Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't know who, who wouldn't want to go to LA. Yeah. You know, I'm and kidding. play there for at least the end of the year and have a chance to play in the playoffs, but he vetoed it to stay in Detroit. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know who he's discussing and I don't even know who the bigger bats are that he's talking about, to be honest with you, but who knows where that plays into it. We don't know everything that goes on in these discussions. It's interesting because it was Shai Davidi who was kind of talking the whole week leading up to the deadline about how, and Shai's really plugged in. Like you just know, he's one of those guys when he says something, it's like, okay, like he's alluding to something. You know what I mean? He said, um, he was talking all week about how, I just feel like the Jays are working on something bigger than maybe what we're thinking of. You know, like when, when somebody, when we go on one of those shows and they'd ask him, Hey, who do you think the Jays are looking at now? He would always say, yeah, you know, like a couple pitchers. Sure. You know, maybe, guys like Canyon fam and Teoscar, but I wonder if they're working on something bigger when he says that time and time again, I would also wonder if they're working on something bigger. So I do wonder if that quote, like you talk about the no trade clause and everything, the Jays are well known to cast a very wide net, right? No one thought they were going to get Whit Merrifield last year. Right. Um, part of that was because of his vaccination status and everything else, but regardless, nobody really thought that, right? He kind of came out of left field. We've seen that a couple of times with this front office where they kind of pop up and it's like, wow, you know, they were, they were in on Verlander uh, when he was a free agent the last few years. Apparently they were really in on Otani when, as they should have been, when he was doing his whole tour, figuring out which team he's going to go to. They are willing to make a big move. And I do wonder if maybe that was something going on here. Now that's no, obviously it didn't work out. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Right. But there's I, definitely something to be thought of in that, in that regard. I think sometimes Toronto sports fans like to think that their teams won't do things that they'll actually do. I, this front office has shown no hesitation in making big moves. Look at the signings, Gosman, Bassett, Springer, Ryu, uh, probably missing a couple. Like they, they've shown that they're willing to spend the money and they're willing to make the moves. And Burrios when they trade for him, Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson were big prospects. So it, if the move was there, uh, they would have made it. I, I don't have any doubt in that. I don't think the move was there for not only the guys that we listed, who we don't really necessarily, I wasn't in love with any of them, but even bigger names, maybe potentially with a little bit more term or a little bit bigger package. Um, it, I just don't think it was there. Yeah. 
And uh, then you hear this last quote, which kind of sums it up. He says, quote, it's interesting. We have a really good projected offense and a really good performing offense. It's just not close the gap on what its overall potential is. And I'm confident that it will, end quote. Now, he obviously has to be confident. He's obviously confident because he's taking his job on the line, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I hope you're confident in this lineup because you didn't really add to it. Um, I, I think that that's something you say when, you know, you want to put, you have to, you know, put confidence in your team and stuff like that. Like, we're not going to, Atkins has perfected the the TV media, um, quote, industry, <laughs> as you can put it. You do look at their stats, Matt, and you know, with, without runners on, or just in general, you know, they're a middle to above average hitting team. And then with runners in scoring position, they become a bottom five hitting team in baseball. So, and that just comes back to if Bichette, Guerrero, Chapman, Springer don't do their job and don't play the way they're, they can, and and the way the team expects to do, they're not going to win anyways. It doesn't matter if Davis Schneider, hits 400 the rest of the, it doesn't like yeah. it, it those your your guys hitting in the middle of the lineup have to drive in runs with guys in scoring position i know you wrote down these i'll let you read off the the averages and pain jays fans again maybe you won't <laughs> i don't want to hear it again we all know that they can't they they've struggled to hit with runners in scoring position and if those guys in the middle of the order aren't getting it done and you're even if you're relying on the guy you know danny jansen i love him great behind the plate great at driving in runs you need Guerrero, Bichette, Chapman, and Springer to, to to drive the offense. And and what you get from those other guys is is icing on the cake. Yeah. And then a little more from Kirk and Varsho and those guys too. And 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 you know, you said we see them score eleven runs on Sunday against the Cubs, you know, and you think, well, you know, it's it's just a one game sample. But man, the way that they played too, like they just kind of strung hits together. Yeah, they had some big hits, of course. Varsha looked good. Yeah, but you know what I noticed, especially in Varsha's at-bats, is just getting base hits, you know? Not necessarily uh, needing to get the, you know, five home runs in a game. But when he does that, what needs to happen? Guerrero, Bichette. Exactly. Obviously, Bichette's not playing, but Springer, Chapman, they have to drive in the runs. Yeah. Hitting, you know, three to five, three to six in the order – you're, you have to produce runs. You have to drive in runs. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. You need big hits in the postseason, timely hits, which they haven't gotten, and you need to pitch. And obviously, this team's going to play defense. We all know that. And you compare this team, like when people talk about, well, they just got to get hot. Look at the Braves in 21. Look at the Phillies last year. You know what both those teams had was clutch hitting, right? Like when, especially I think last year, when the Phillies needed a big hit, they got one, right? Whether it was Bryce Harper, whether it was Schwarber, whether it was Reese Hoskins, whether it was uh, Stott, right? Yeah. Whoever Alec Bohm, whoever it was, they were getting those hits. That's often what it comes down to. Your pitching is good enough, right? And your pitching does a good job, but then you get that big hit when it matters, right? When there's two on and two out and you're down by one in the seventh or eighth and Harper comes up and hits a three-run shot or Schwarber or whatever it is. That's in the Braves the year before. Right with with Solaire, right? Remember that Duvall, uh, Jock Peterson. Um, you know, I could go on and up. Freddie Freeman, of course, in that lineup. Like they had guys who, in those moments, came through. And those now, weren't even huge name guys. I mean, you talk about Peterson, Solaire at the time. Yeah. What was the other name? You, Duvall. Duvall. Like the, you know, yeah. the, the the talent in the middle of this Jays lineup is better than any of those guys we just named Ooh. at the time that that happened. Even uh, Harper, Schwarber, Hoskins, those are fantastic players. The Jays have fantastic players capable of providing similar offense to that as well, right? Yeah, they need to – that's – yeah, it's it's there. Yeah, everything is there. 
they could have added around the fringes a little bit, like we talked about and would it help of course, but is it going to move the needle to a world series contender? No. I mean, the, the talent is on this roster, whether Jays fans want to believe it or not, it's there. So much of the season comes down to this. Their regular OPS is 748. Okay. The Jays that ranks them ninth in baseball. Okay. As of uh, Monday, August 14th, their OPS with runners in scoring position goes from 748 to 695, which is 28th in baseball, right around all oh, those teams like Kansas City and Miami and Oakland, okay? They're, uh, they're slugging. Slugging is also a great one because we're not talking on base now, we're just talking power, okay? Um, their sl- regular slugging on the season is 417. That's tied for 12th, right? We'd say average, above average. With runners in scoring position, it dips down to 371, which again is 28th around those same teams I just mentioned. So, that's a lot of what this comes down to, Matt, is just those those opportunities that throughout the season they've missed out on. And as a result, you know, we see it in the standings where should this team, like if this team was hitting normally with runners in scoring position or maybe closer to their average, right? Maybe we're not talking about them just trying to fend off Seattle and Boston for that last wildcard spot. We're talking about them pushing Baltimore for the division or at least having a good footing in the wildcard race. I think that's why fans... I think it explains this whole thing. Explains why fans were upset that they didn't acquire another bat. It explains why they're in the position they're in. It explains why this has been a frustrating season because they simply have not cashed in when they needed to. Yep. No, I. I mean, you, you read numbers don't lie. I mean, yeah. we're four over four months into the season, four and a half months into the season, and and you know it's a good big enough sample size to prove that there's a bit of a trend going on here. But again, there's nobody on this market that was going to change any of that substantially it has to come with within from within whether you like it or not um and now i'm now i'm sitting here looking at the the remaining schedule for the jays you know obviously they're two with philly this week then they go to cincinnati a team that's fighting for their playoff lives as well three in baltimore it was a big game a tough stretch here you know there's a tough eight game stretch here but then is the window that they have to take advantage of they have three at home with cleveland three at home with Washington. Then they go to Colorado for three, Oakland for three, come home to play Kansas City for three. Yeah. So that's nine, 12, 15 games right there that, that could make or break their season. They're very good playing outside of their division. Um, and these are outside of their division and not very good. So it's going to be a huge stretch for them. You said that was 15 games. So let's say they go 10 and five or 11 and four, right? That's probably what you'd you'd be looking for, you know, obviously maybe a little more, uh, but you're right. If they come out of that trip, say, you know, uh, eight and seven or six and nine or whatever it is, you know, that could really put them in a tough spot. Because if you look at after that Kansas City series, that series ends on September 10th, they have Rangers for four at home, Boston for three at home. We'll see what Boston's looking like by then. Yankees in the Bronx for three at the Trop to take on Tampa for three. Those could be big games, depending on where the wild card's looking like. Then they go Yankees home, Rays at home again. So, like, there's a real gauntlet there, depending on how the Yankees – there's still the Yankees. Like, if Aaron Judge is healthy, that's still a problem, right? They still have Garrett Cole. Like, and it's a divisional game. Like, those are – so they really do need to, Matt, as you said, make some hay during the, that 15-game stretch with the easier opponents because all of a sudden they kick it into gear on September 11th, and it's basically showtime. Yeah, I mean, I think ten and five is would be a success. 
You know, I, they're not going to win every game. I, no. I know fans want them to <laughs> always beat wa- the Washingtons and Oakland's. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think 10 and 5 would be reasonable. Build yourself a little bit of a lead, big few games, you know, on Seattle, heading into that final stretch. And then, you know, it's in your hands. You know, go take care of business is what it comes down to. Now, one more thing to talk about. You, I have a note here to talk about Kikuchi. Yes. So, I heard, I can't remember who I heard talking about this. It might have been on the broadcast the other day. They get into the wild card. They face whoever, Minnesota, Houston, whoever it is. And it goes game three. Who are you rolling on the mound, Kikuchi or Chris Bassett? Hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> you got me thinking now. Uh, let's say, so if we're talking like today. Um, today, yeah, because we don't, who knows if, Assuming they're both performing the way they are right now. And if they're playing, let's say they're playing Minnesota. Is that like one of these teams, whether it's Minnesota, Tampa? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about matchup. I'm not talking about lefty, right? I'm talking about just your role and who you have the most confidence in. Man, right now, Kikuchi does. It's it's so easy to be prisoner of the moment, right? Because Bassett's coming off a not great start against the Cubs. And Kikuchi's been quite good. It's very easy to say you'd love to have Kikuchi in there, even as sort of an opener type where he's throwing 95, 96, 97 from the left side. I would love to at least have him for a few innings. I think right now I would say Kikuchi, which is crazy to think. That's what I said too, and I thought the exact same thing, that if I I lost my mind. But then you look at what he's done. Yeah. I mean, Barrios would be the game two starter. Yeah, for sure. Like you would have to be Gosman, Brios, and and I think Kikuchi. And and if you would have told me that twelve months ago, I would have called you crazy. And again, maybe it is a thing, like I said, where Kikuchi's more of an opener. He goes two or three innings, and then Bassett comes in for two or three. I I, I don't know. You'd really what you'd be doing is shifting a hitter's perspective. You go from heat coming from the left side to the kitchen sink coming from the right side. Maybe yeah. there's something to think about there. But and I know that's kind of a an in between answer and not really <laughs> the uh, spirit of your question. But I I think that that's a great question. I honestly I thought you were going to ask me about if they should start Bassett and have Kikuchi come out of the bullpen or whatever. But yeah, it's a, and I wonder how often that question's coming up in the Jays front office as well, because uh, Kikuchi's emergence this season, like the way that he's pitched, especially his last, I don't know, like five to six starts has been really, really good, Matt. I know. And that's the, that's what someone, I don't know if it was Shulman and Siddle talking about it, but it, it I sat there and I thought, and I'm like, there was no real not a ton of doubt that it would be Kikuchi right now. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be Ryu. It's not going to be Manoa. You know, it's going to be Gosman and Burrios yeah. games one and two, but could you imagine they win a, their, their wildcard game, their best of three wildcard in three games and Burrios and Kikuchi get the wins. Yeah, it would be. Uh, what a turnaround that would be from a year ago. What a story that would be. Big and time. it could happen. That's yep. the that's the best part about it. That's baseball for you right there in a nutshell. I think it's a good reminder as fans. You know, we see the success Barrios has had, like stability that both Barrios and Kikuchi have found. I think that's a good word for it. Just to show like how volatile this game is, especially at the major league level, and that you don't know really what someone's going to look like next year, right? Like people are having these big big talks about Manoa, right? Well, what's Manoa going to look like next year? Man, he could come back and be great again. Totally. He could come back and be awful again. You or I have no idea. It's so unpredictable. So many people. It's funny. They were interviewing Bichette the other day on the broadcast, on the Sportsnet broadcast. 
And he goes, yeah, like, you know, I think uh, everyone's trying to figure out this game and I don't think anyone has yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's a good example kind of, of, of what we're talking about here. That's a, that's a perfect quote to summarize not only this Blue Jays team, but baseball in general. Like no one ever figures it out. And, you know, like you mentioned, you made the a reference before about, you know, the Boston Bruins getting bounced in round one. That could be the Atlanta Braves this year. Oh, yeah. would, it, would it shock anyone? No, not really. Yeah, not really. I mean, it would be a little bit surprising, I guess, given the season they're having, but it wouldn't shock me. Look at the Dodgers last year. Look at, you know, some of the the Dodgers have won one World Series in this run. Yeah, I know. Look at the Braves (laughs) back in the 90s. They won one World Series. They won how, what, 17 straight divisions? Yeah. Like just, just the probability of winning more than one World Series, you would think would be higher than not winning more than one. And they won one. Look at how many times the Yankees have been back to the ALCS since 09, right? And and not a whole lot, right? Yeah, I mean, you just been, ask a Yankees fan about that. It's going on 15 years since the Yankees won the World Series. Yeah. And and by extension, you know, the flip side of it, look at all the success the Red Sox have had the last 20 years. And in many cases, it was unexpected, <laughs> right? Especially in, uh, in 2018, they were a good team, uh, but they go on this, this all-time run. And, you know, it's happened a few times with them. So it, it really just... You just never know. Um, and I think that this year is a good example of that. Go for it. You know, like like we were talking about the American League. I'm looking at the standings now. Houston scares you just because of their history and their pedigree and what they're capable of. And when they're healthy, they're a very, very good team. They're well-managed, et cetera. Texas, they have high-caliber talent. You know, they add Scherzer. Like, they're, they're quite a good team. Their rotation's been unreal this year. But again, like, let's see it come October right? Central, I don't think anyone in the Central scares you, but here we are, right? Being dismissive, let's say it's Minnesota. What if Minnesota just goes in? Like, you don't know, right? Minnesota could be that team all of a sudden that gets hot at the right time. What if Edward Julian, you know, torches the the Jays for three games or two games, you know, throw up the Canadian, who knows? (laughs) And that's baseball, folks. And, and, you know, we we sit here and we try to analyze it and, you know, break it down, what we think is going to happen. Probably none of what we just said is actually going to happen. Who knows? That's the way the game goes. But we appreciate you listening along to this, you know, Blue Jays uh, podcast, looking at the final seven weeks, the trade deadline, everything that we covered today. I'm going to run that that poll on Twitter about Kikuchi and Bassett. I'm going to see what people say. Uh, but thanks for listening along. It's going to be a heck of a seven weeks and, and hopefully a postseason. Hopefully we're sitting here doing a postseason preview. Uh, seven weeks from now. Take care. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And the Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players.